You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Hey, welcome everybody to church. Good morning. I'm glad that you made it. Let's give a warm round of applause to all of our friends watching from all around the world. Hey. Thank you for tuning in. We have people from England, people from France, people even from as far away as Oklahoma watching today. People in Mineral Wells, hey, I love you, mom and dad. I can't wait to see you this Thanksgiving. It's going to be an amazing time as we spend some time together getting to know the Word of God better. So grab your Bibles if you would. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going. Matthew chapter 5. And as we turn there in our Bibles, I wanted to say, hey, you are an amazing, generous church. For those of you that have chosen to trust us with your finances, it is an amazing time to be a part of what God is doing right here at High Ridge Church. I just want to say thank you. On December 17th, we get to have my favorite Sunday, which is Legacy Sunday. We get to show you where the money is going. If you've ever wondered, where does the money go on December 17th, you get to see that. We get to show you uh, videos. We get to show you pictures. We get to show you reports and statistics from all around the world about what God is doing right here because of you. So if you've never given to this church, let me just tell you, you're going to want to get on this. I want to be able to celebrate that with you. Um, What God is doing in and through us is nothing short of miraculous. And let me just say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being a generous church that wants to make a difference. Can you receive that? Is that okay? Awesome. Matthew chapter five, we're going to continue with our series called Points of Passion. So we're going to pick it up in the most famous and best sermon of all time, the sermon by which all other sermons are kind of judged. This is Jesus himself putting on his preacher's hat and getting down to business. In, uh, in theological circles, it's easy for us to look at all of the Bible and say all of it applies to us all the time, and it's just simply not true. Um, there are many things in the Bible that that's, that's not for you, that's for them, or specific, speaking to a specific uh, situation or to a culture or to a group of people. There are certainly things that we can pull out from it that we can apply to our lives, but not all of the Bible applies just specifically to me. But that's not going to be said about Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking to the crowd. And when Jesus is speaking to the crowd, he's still speaking to us generationally today. So it's important that when we read this, we don't say, yeah, Jesus, talk to them. No, he's talking to us. Come on, somebody. He's talking to us. Look at the person next to you and say, you need this. Look at your second choice and say, I should have, I should have said something to you first. I'm sorry. But you need this too. This is going to be good for you. You really need this. So Matthew chapter 5. So Jesus begins to preach the Sermon on the Mount. And he gets to a part where he says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you when this happens, when that happens. He says, blessed are you when people persecute you. A hard thing for many people to handle. A hard thing for anyone that believes in Jesus. A hard thing for us to hear It's still something hard for us to read and understand today. But he goes on in verse 13 and says this, you, you are the salt of the earth. If you've ever heard that statement, we say it a lot in the South, you're the salt of the earth, or we might describe some some good old boys that those are the salt of the earth kind of people. This is where that comes from. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. But he says, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, I would add, not only is it no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot, it's, it can still serve a purpose. In Texas, when the ice storm comes somewhere in December, January, 
we're going to use a lot of salt to make sure that we can still stay on the roads and make sure we can get milk and bread and clear out the grocery aisles for some reason because we think we're never going to get to eat again. For, I don't know. And toilet paper, that's what we do. It's a thing. He says if the salt loses its saltiness, it's, it's not good for anything. You've got to throw it out. But then he says this. You, not only are you salt, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it underneath a bowl. No, instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way. Or here's Jesus bringing it back to a point. Here's, the same, here's, what, I'm, here's what I mean by this, Jesus says. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Lord, let it always be the case that when we open up your word, that we allow your word to speak into our lives. Lord, our hearts are open, our minds are alert. We're ready to receive from you. In Jesus' name, and all of us said together, amen. amen. Well, as we're continuing on, continuing on with our series, uh, this is called Points of Passion. We've kind of uh, revolved this entire series around two questions. What makes you tick? And what ticks you off? When we answer those two questions with your specific things that make you tick and the things that take you off, we will find your passion. We will find the things that you are passionate about. Now, some of those things we're going to agree on, some of those things we won't agree on. But I promise you this, if we're in disagreement, you're wrong. I am always, I'm always right. Now, I say this, uh, I may be wrong, but I'm never in doubt. I may be completely wrong, but I will make you believe that I'm right because I'm passionate about the way that I argue. My parents said I should have been an attorney because I, could, I should have been a defense attorney. I could take somebody that's guilty and like, you don't understand. This person did not do it. I get passionate about things. I could even be wrong, but I get passionate about it. What are you passionate about? What are the things that if we talked about them this morning, you'd be like, yeah, come on. And what are the things that if I talked about this morning, you'd be like, no, stop. <laughs> Therein we find your Passions. I'm passionate about a lot of things. I'm passionate about my wife and our, our marriage. I'm passionate about this little lady that loves me. She's passionate about me. I'm passionate about her. And I've realized that if you want to stay passionate, you got to have two people that are willing to work. Passion is not something that just happens. It's your job to stir it, to cultivate it, to make sure that not only do we fall in love, we stay in love. It takes some work. And that's enough for some of us today. We could leave and just go home with that. You know what? I need to not just fall in love. I need to stay in love. It's easy to fall in love. Stay in love. That's where the challenge comes on because we find passion points. I'm passionate about Christmas movies. Elf, I'm passionate about that movie. I like that movie. I'm passionate about James Stewart and, and It's a Wonderful Life. James Stewart. You know, you got to do the... You got to do the impression. Everybody has to have a good James Stewart. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. We're going to get you saved today. Home Alone, no, Kevin! You, you gotta watch Home Alone at least one time during Christmas, and you have to watch the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard. I'm passionate. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. Until Hans Gruber falls off the Nakatomi Tower, it is not Christmas to me. I, I believe that, so I, and I'm passionate about it, but here's the better question. Uh, what makes God tick? What ticks him off? Until we understand the passion of our Father, it's difficult for us to really understand what we're here for. God, what did you purpose me for? What is, what is my place? 
until I understand what makes God tick and what ticks him off, I never really find where I fit. I'll spend my life chasing my own passions and get sidetracked with things that don't matter. I found this to be true that when our passions for God fade, our effectiveness is close behind. You see, more than a lot of things, I am passionate about healthy church. I'm passionate about finding church health. Now, what I call church health and what you call church health may be a little bit different, but, uh, but I believe that we both want the same thing. We want a church that does something with the gospel. We want a church that's more than just feelings or a message, a church that actually, people actually live like Christians and actually live like believers that actually want to make a difference with the rest of their life. I'm passionate about that. You know what? what that, that makes me tick. You know what ticks me off? Dumb church. Dumb church where you do nothing. Do nothing with the greatest gift that God the Father has ever given to all of humanity. And when his believers receive the great gift of grace and life and hope, and then you do nothing with it but entertain yourself, that ticks me off. It ought to have an effect on the world around us. There's a reason why Jesus says, you are salt and you are light. And he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything. Look at the person next to you and say, stay salty. You stay salty just the way God made you. Stay salty. You know, there are two things that causes salt to lose its saltiness. Generally, it comes down to two things, isolation and contamination. And there's a reason why Jesus chooses salt to describe people like me and people like you. He says, you're the salt of the earth. The world needs you. The world needs the Jesus in you. The world needs the Jesus in you to be expressed in a tangible way. But isolation and contamination have a way of pulling the saltiness out of us, the passion for God, the passion for his word, the passion to spend time with him, the passion to do things on behalf of the kingdom of Christ and to just instead settle for an existence that's selfish. Isolation and contamination. You pull salt away from other salt crystals and they begin to lose their power. I need you. You need me. We need to be together. And contamination, you put other things in with salt and it begins to lose its saltiness. Our world wants to contaminate you. Our culture wants to contaminate you. There are things going on around you. Your social media wants to put so much junk in your mind that you become contaminated and become passionate about things that just don't matter. And those passions have a way of making us draw hard lines in the sand and have strong opinions about things that just don't matter. I may be passionate about it, but the better question is, is God passionate about it? Does it matter to him? So I want to give you three things that are really important. And in case you've picked up on the pattern here, uh, this is the, the end of our series today. Uh, and I'll basically preach through our growth track, what we call our growth track. There are four things that we want you to do as believers. There are four things that are the mission of our church. There are four things and four things only that we think are the most important things for us to do as a church. Lots of churches do a lot of things. We don't do a lot of things. We're like a good steakhouse. Like we do one thing because we're not good at everything. And a lot of churches make that mistake. They try to do everything. We want you to do four things. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose. And lastly, we want you to make a difference. 
I want you to have an intimate relationship with your father. I want you to hear his voice. I want you to begin to yield to him. I want you to spend time with him daily. That's, that's my heart for you. And then I want you to begin to find freedom as you allow God to begin to speak into your life. You start finding freedom from your yesterdays. You start finding freedom from your habits and your hurts and your hangups. And for the things that have kept you stuck in a life that you've always known, you can walk into a brand new life when you start finding freedom. We're going to help you do that. I want you to discover that you were built on purpose for a purpose. Your life is more than just a couple of dates on a tombstone. There's a purpose for you so that ultimately it brings us to this week. I want to talk to you today about making a difference with the rest of your life. What are you doing with the gift that God has given you? What are you doing with that saltiness? What are you doing with your light? So here's the three things I want to tell you. Number one, if you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down. God is passionate about his people making a difference. God wants my life to make a difference. This is why Jesus calls us salt and light. Salt and light cannot exist without making a difference. They have to. When you turn on a light, it can't help but shine. That's its nature. That's its purpose. It's what it does. It only does one thing. It shines. It dispels darkness wherever it goes. Salt has an effect. You put it in something, it's going to change the flavor. Salt has an amazing way. When you put it together with other pieces of salt, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. When I first came into ministry, uh, long before I was even a pastor on staff, I was just serving as a youth intern, just serving and volunteering and helping out with the, with the young folks. And so one of the things that we were doing on our little youth staff, there was three or four of us, is uh, we loved to pull pranks on the staff. It was just like, we figured it was our, uh, our God-given talent, our mandate from the Lord. This was our purpose to, to, to have an amazing time and to make sure that those people in the church didn't take anything but God seriously. Like, we could take God seriously. You don't take ourselves that serious. And we would pull pranks all the time. And so one of the greatest pranks that we ever pulled, and I can only tell this today because the statue of limitations has run out. <clears throat> was the church was having a, a big get-together where they were thanking all of the volunteers for serving during, during the year. And so we'd have this huge day at the park, and we'd bring our families, and we'd play softball and volleyball. And then we'd end the day with a pie contest, and people brought pies from all over, and they made pies. And some of you are getting hungry just thinking about it. Homemade pies, they were amazing. And uh, somehow, all the pastors got to be the judges. And I knew from that day forward, that's what I want to do with my life. <laughs> There are perks to being in ministry, and this is one of them, baby. Like, I want to do that. They got to be the judge. And there's like 35 different homemade pies that people brought from all over the place. And so they had this sheet, and each pastor would walk by, and they would cut pieces of pie for every pastor, and they'd set it on the identical plate, and each pastor would take a bite at the same time, and they would mark it for presentation and for color and for this and for that in different categories, and then they'd give an overall score. And they went from one pie to the next, and I was just watching their face. What they didn't know was that the youth intern had entered a pie. And together with my, my youth pastor and our associate youth pastor, we made the most unbelievably beautiful cherry pie you have ever seen. I mean, the crust was perfect. It was cooked to perfection, except we had added one pound of salt to the cherry filling. I didn't say a tablespoon. I didn't say a teaspoon. I didn't say a cup. Brother, I said a pound, a pound. 
16 straight ounces of salt to that mix. There's no denying this. This is not a mistake. Like, this is one of those things where you're going to react the moment that you take a, the smallest of bites to this pie. And then we set up the video camera and let the magic begin. They walk by it. Each of them gets served. And they're, ooh, and an odd. Really, really great. This must be some beautiful older, older person at the church that would make something like this. This is quality. And they're talking. I'm like, <laughs> this is going to be great. And they, they graded a perfect 10 on presentation and color and the consistency and the crust. Man, we were in the lead. And they all the same time took that little plastic fork, picked up one piece of the cherry and the crust, got a nice big bite, stuck it in their mouth. And we just filmed them, and it was epic. Because <laughs> all of them at the same time did this, and they're trying so hard not to be rude. And they go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then they start looking for the little napkins, looking for the trash can. Mm-hmm. The whole church is watching them, and they're trying so hard to keep a straight face. I learned a powerful lesson. Take smaller bites of pie. And salt can't help but make a difference. You put enough salt in there, it's going to make a difference. You put enough salt and light in this city, it has to make a difference. It has to. It is its nature. It has to have an effect on the world around us. We have to make a difference in this city. Why? Because we are salt. No human being in history has made more of a difference than Jesus Christ himself. And by the way, Jesus' ministry started at the age of 30, and they crucified him at the age of 33. In three years, this man changed the course of history. Many of the things that we see and experience, some of the freedoms and the things that we celebrate today, were all founded upon the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus split time in half. It made a difference in three years that you would not believe. When you think about the things that Jesus did, we're still in awe today. The progress that we can directly trace back to the ministry of Christ. You know, women's rights started with Jesus. Jesus elevated women to the status of equals instead of treating them as property. Jesus didn't just minister to women. He ministered with women. He had friendships with women, not just the rich ones, not just the beautiful ones, Not just the powerful ones, with all of them. To the detriment of his own reputation, Jesus Christ hung out with those that were caught in adultery, those that were outcasts, those that were sinners, those that other people snubbed their nose at. Jesus elevated them and spent time with them, did ministry not just to them, but with them, partnered with them in ministry. You know, the early church was often criticized and called women's religion because it elevated women to the status of equals and women from all around the globe began to flock towards Christianity because it was finally a religion that didn't treat them as property or slaves but elevated them so the spirit of God is upon men and women you know Jesus when he first comes back from the grave he doesn't announce himself to the world He doesn't even go to his disciples. He speaks to a group of women and he entrusts them with the very message of the gospel that our God is greater than the grave, that death couldn't hold him. He entrusts this to a group of women. What an amazing thing. In a time where women are treated as slaves without 
uh, without rights and treated like property, they become the very first evangelists of the good news. That's because of our Jesus. He, he makes a difference. Think about things like human rights. Later on in this chapter, in verse 44, Jesus says, uh, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's a big deal when Jesus says that. Jesus says things like, love your neighbors and love your enemies. That pretty much covers everybody. He said, we don't just love those that love us. We love those that persecute us. We love when it hurts. Human rights can be traced back to the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. The very idea that all, true, all, all humans should be treated with, with dignity and with respect changed when Jesus steps on to the scene. Education and science. Look at this in Matthew 22. Jesus says this in verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So part of the way that we love the Lord is not just with our heart and not just with our, with our soul. He says, love me with your mind. He's not just talking about taking blind leaps of faith and just trusting me without. And he said, no, you, I've given you the Bible and I've given you a brain. Love me with it. You know, Ireland has literacy today because of the ministry of St. Patrick. Because of his love for Jesus, he used his gift to make a difference and bring literacy to a country that couldn't read. Think about the advances that have been made because of Jesus' ministry. Nearly all of the first universities in England and America started by Christians. They were all Christian schools, believe it or not, when they started. It's ironic that society tries to make Christians look ignorant and uneducated when Christians have done more to inspire education in, in the modern world than any other group of people. We love Jesus. We have to make a difference. In science itself, all the great early scientists, some of the greatest innovators of our time, all had a relationship with Jesus at some point. All of them had some sort of religious influence that caused them to make, and to be, that's part of their purpose. They wanted to make a difference by using their minds and their gifts and their talents. Uh, one of the greatest scientists of all time, I say he's great because he has the most delicious name, Francis Bacon. That's a beautiful name. Relationship with Jesus. People like Galileo, 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 Galileo. Relationship with Jesus. I'm sorry. I've had a lot of coffee today. This is uh, Newton, Copernicus, Kepler, Pascal, all influenced at some level by their faith to do science. Christianity and scientists began as intertwined. They may not look like it today. But some of our greatest minds ever had a strong relationship with Jesus and believed it was part of their purpose to do what God had called them to do, to make a difference with their mind. I think about humanitarian aid, just treating people with respect and dignity, things that we have done as the church and as believers because Jesus Christ sits on the throne of our hearts. And he says stuff like in Luke 14, he says, but when you give a banquet, don't just invite the rich and the powerful and the popular. He says, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. Invite those that don't have jobs. Invite those that are begging. Invite those that don't have what you have. Bring them to the party. You know what happens when those people come? You bring gratefulness. The neat thing that I see when I read that scripture is I realize that in my broken life, Jesus says, why don't you come? You have a place here. 
And because Christ made a place for me, he says, when you do stuff, invite those that have less than you and give them the dignity of coming and enjoying the banquet. It was a big deal for Jesus to say those things, and he still calls out for each of us to do the same, to take care of those who have less than you. It's easy for us to live lives of selfishness and greed, for us to only worry about our issues. I've got enough problems to worry about. I can't take on anybody else's issues. You've got your issues. I've got mine. But when Christ is sitting on the throne of your heart, you begin to get passionate about what he's passionate about. It's about people. And throughout history, Christ has helped people find the heart of God by looking into the eyes of people that have a lot less than you and be able to meet not just their physical needs, but their spiritual needs as well. You know, a recent survey said 75% of all charitable giving is from faith-based people. When there's something different sitting on the throne of your heart, you're gonna wanna give. You're gonna want to be generous. You can't help it. You've got to make a difference. I looked at this in, uh, and I found a great quote from H.G. Wells. He says, I'm a historian. I am not a believer. But I must confess that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably, I can't say that word, irrevocably. We had an argument last night, my wife and I. She says it's irrevocably. I said it's irrevocably. And I, I don't even know which one is right, but you can read it for yourself. It says he's the very sitter of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. Jesus made a difference in three years that we still feel today. And here's the crazy thing. Jesus says, greater works than these shall you do. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Number two, God is passionate about us being more than memories, feelings, and talk. I am passionate about churches becoming more than just talking about the last great move of God and what will happen when revival comes. That irks me because it leaves all the responsibility of being the church today and throws it out the window. It's about more than us being feelings, coming to church to have a great feeling. Well, we experienced a great move of God. Here's my question. What did you do with it? How does that affect Monday? How has it affected your home? How does the Holy Spirit help you to live on Monday? How does it affect the way that you act? How does it affect the way that you give? How does it affect the way that you speak and the way that you love? How has it affected your marriage? God is passionate about us becoming more than just memories and feelings and talk. I think we love to, as the church, we love to remember and feel and talk on Sundays, but we don't do very well. I believe that the healthy, mobilized church is the hope for the world. And I'm here to mobilize you. I'm here to be uh, extremely honest with you. My heart and my hope for you is not that you come and not that you give more money. That's not what I want for you. There's plenty of churches where you can do that. There are plenty of churches where they can come and uh, you can do either two things that people love in Longview. Either make me feel really good, pastor, or make me feel really bad. I've been really, really bad. I need you to make me feel bad. <laughs> make me feel good, encourage me, or make me feel guilty. I'm not here to do any one of those. I don't care how you feel. What I care about is how you live. Are you willing to make a difference? And that should be part of your criteria when you're choosing a church. Ask yourself, does this church care about their city? Does this church care about the lost? Does this church care about being salt and light? Because it's the healthy, mobilized church that is the hope 
for the world. So in John 14, look at this. Jesus says, believe me, believe me, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. So if you don't believe what I'm saying, believe the fact that I'm doing miracles. That should tell you something supernatural is happening here. Very truly, because of all the miracles and the things I'm saying and doing, the way that my life is making a difference, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, look at the next two words, will do. It doesn't say just will talk. Will do. The works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Jesus' life made a major difference. And he's saying, if you have me sitting on the throne of your heart, believe me when I tell you, you're gonna do greater things than what I'm doing. He expects that of us, that we are to make a difference. That's why he calls us salt and light. So a mark of a true believer is the effect that we have on the world around us. It's a big deal. So Jesus doesn't just teach it, he lives it, he models it. And so does God the Father. He has to make a difference. He wants to make a difference. He needs to make a difference. It's part of who he is. And he's calling us to do the same. You were created on purpose to live a life that makes a difference, not just for yourself, but for the kingdom. You are salt. You are light. But I think for many of us, when Jesus talks about salt losing its saltiness, we can recognize ourselves. I'm not as passionate as I used to be. Let me remind you, passion is, passion is our job. We love because he first loved us. God is passionate about you. And he's asking you to stir up your passions for him. I say it this way, the passion that is never expressed never makes a difference. Now, there is unhealthy passion, let me just say. Uh, we were talking about that this morning. There was a guy that was driving down the, the road next to us as we were driving to church, and he had uh, two windows that were, that were shattered. Now, if one window is shattered, we know that you just made a California charity donation. Somebody just, just ripped you off. That's what happened to us in San Francisco. That's why I say that. Uh, they're known for breaking out windows and stealing stuff in cars. Uh, if two windows is broken out, somebody thinks you're a cheater. Somebody's expressing their passion towards you. That's what that means. If four tires are slashed, you didn't run over a nail. You're a cheater. That's what, <laughs> generally, that's what that tells you. But I heard a story one time of a, of a man and wife, and they'd been married for a long, long time, and the woman tells the husband, she says, you know, you never tell me that you love me anymore, and I want you to tell me that you love me. Do you still love me? Tell me that you love me. And he finally said, lady, I told you 54 years ago when I married you that I loved you, and nothing's changed since then. If it changes, I'll let you know. It's like, easy. Passion needs to express itself. It's okay to say you love. It's even better to show it. And I want us to be a church that's more than just saying it. We show it. Jesus says, let them see your good deeds. Your relationship with Jesus ought to have effect on the world around you. It ought to make a difference on Monday. And if it's not, ask yourself where your passion is. Here's the last and final thing I want to share with you. Number three, God is passionate about your life bringing him glory, much glory. He says, let them see your good deeds and do what? Glorify your father in heaven. So when Jesus says you're salt and light, let me say it this way. Salt is a preservative in the world that's decaying. And light drives out darkness in a world that's getting darker by the minute. We live in dark times. Dark times. 
Never before in the history of the world have we needed the church to be salt and light. We're not called to be a group of secret agent Christians. You're called to be salt and light, to make a difference wherever God has called you. Now, unfortunately, if you've ever waited tables, you know what I'm talking about. The difference that most of us make is not a good one because we'll go and spend some, uh, spend some time grabbing some lunch somewhere and there's a group of people that will wait on you that will know that you're Christians the moment that you walk in. And how do they know that? Because you don't tip. And I've heard Christians say this. I'm not kidding. I'll give Jesus Christ 10%. I'm not giving you 20. Like, <laughs> okay. Please do not tell people that you come to my church if you treat the people that wait on you like that. You don't come here. There's a lot of other churches we can pick on. You choose one of them. We make a difference in how we represent Christ. We bring glory to his name by how we treat people. What does it mean to glorify God? To glorify God is to live, to speak, and to love in a way that makes others think well of him. Make others think well of him. How do people see the Lord because of you? Do they even think about the Lord because of you? It's a challenge for all of us. It starts by the way that you treat people. By the way that you speak. By the attitude that you have. By your work ethic by your generosity, by your willingness to take some time to care about someone needs other than yourself, you are salt and you are light. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, there's something inside of you that is screaming to make a difference. So I'll say this, I will refuse to live a, a selfish life that makes no difference. And I want you to make that your challenge as well. I refuse to live a life of selfishness. That makes no difference to anyone else but myself. You know, if you're going to glorify God, you're going to fight two battles, an internal one and an external one. The battle on the inside that says, this is all about me. I need to get what's best for me. Do and take care of just me and mine. I don't have time to worry about anybody else. I don't have enough money to worry about anybody else. I don't have enough skills to worry about. Anybody. I just got to take care of myself. You're going to fight that battle and you'll bring it into the church. Church is here to meet my needs and you become a consumer. There are plenty of churches where you can do that. But let me just be very, very honest with you here. I'm going to challenge you, and I want to push you to live a life that makes a difference. We want you serving. I'm going to teach you how to serve right here. Start serving each other. It's very, very easy to do it here. But if you can't do it here, you won't do it there. We want to teach you how to do things like just open a door for people. Smile. Shake a hand. Say hello. Say good morning. You start by making a difference. Why? Because you don't know the kind of week people have had walking into this church. And just a smile, a handshake, human contact, dignity, be treated with respect by another person, that may make more of a difference than you could ever possibly know. It made a difference for me. When I walked into the church for the first time after being an addict and depressed and burnt out, I saw somebody shake my hand and look me in the eye and said, I'm glad you're here. That made a difference for me. I was expecting judgment and I found a friend. There was an old man named Billy that used to, that used to usher. He had the most piercing blue eyes that you've ever seen. And when that guy would look at you, like he'd make sure that you looked him in the eye. Like he would get down and, hey, 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 right here. My name is Billy. What's your name? I said, my name is Tim. He said, well, Tim, I'm just telling you this. Tim, 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 I got your name. If I ever don't know your name, I owe you a nickel. And that man did not give out nickels. But he remembered people's names. And I never forgot it because he just greeted me. I want you greeting people. I want you saying hello. I want you straightening chairs. 
I want you doing something for the kingdom. Not because we need a lot more servants around here. You need to do this. You need to make a difference. One of the things I learned about this week as we we're studying statistics is that uh, multimedia, advertisement, social media, the majority of people that are getting their training in this area are doing it from the church. Because the church has become the training ground for people learning how to run cameras and do social media and how to advertise. You're, it's a huge market for people wanting people that can do those things. The church is the place where people learn how to do it. And they teach you how to do it every single week. You get repetition in it. You don't need a degree. We'll teach you. We have a large team of a lot of people carrying cameras. Do we need a bigger social media presence? I don't know. People need to do this. You need to learn. We want you serving. When I came to this church seven years ago, I just interviewed, uh, and one of the things I wanted to do was just learn more about the church. And so I came into the, came into the town a few hours early and just began to look things up online, look at reviews, and look at people that were saying things about church. It wasn't good, and it hurt my heart because I'm passionate about a church that makes a difference. And I began to talk to people at the gas station down the street and the gas station uh, uh, across the street and to sit at the pump and talk to the cashiers, the people that came in and out and said, hey, how's it going? Have you ever heard about this church? And I didn't find a single person in two and a half hours that had any idea that we existed. I made a decision that day that this ends now. Let that never be said of us. That we're a church that exists for the sake of ourselves. And for the past seven years, we've worked tirelessly, relentlessly to build a legacy that makes a difference in our city. I once had a pastor ask me one time, if your church shut down tomorrow, will the city even know that you existed? And I want to pose the same challenge and question to you. If this was your last time, what difference will you have made? Will it have mattered? How do you make people feel? What are you passing on? Your life is called to be more than just a self-existence. You are called to live a life that makes a difference. Why? Because you're salt and you're light. You can't exist without it. You need it. And that's the Christ living in you. Can you receive that? Is that okay? I want to finish up right there. Would you take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes? I want to just... Speak for a moment to those that are watching online. My friend, if you enjoyed what you heard today, would you do us a huge favor? Would you share this message on your social media? It means the world to us when you click the share button. I believe that every single person around the world has something hardwired in them to make a difference. And they need to hear the truth of God's word. They need to hear what Jesus Christ does in the life of a believer. They need to see that they were created on purpose for a purpose, that they have a purpose and that is to make a difference. And so when you share this message with others, it means the world to us. And I believe it's one of the ways that God can use you to make a difference when you hit that share button. Thanks for doing that. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you to pray a prayer. It's a very simple prayer. The prayer is this, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Have I lost some of my saltiness? Have I lost my passion? Lord, passion is my job. You've, you've never given up on me, Lord. Help me to be passionate for you. Lord, are the things that I'm passionate about, are, are they making a difference? Are they for my glory or for your glory? Help me, Lord, to understand you better, to live my life in a way that brings glory to you. Let me speak well of you. Let me act in a way 
It brings glory to your name instead of mine. And now with heads bowed and eyes closed, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. My friend, you need one. You may, not, you may not know how to do that, how to start a relationship with Jesus. Let me just tell you, I was in the same place and somebody loved me enough to help me too. I'd love, you to help, I'd love to help you in the same way that, that somebody helped me. And it starts with a prayer. So right where you are, pray with me. I'll tell you what to say. You can pray it out loud. You can whisper it. You can, it doesn't matter how you do it. The most important thing is that you, that you believe it. Pray this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died. I believe you rose from the grave. You did that so that I could have life and forgiveness for my sins. So I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me. Use me. Let me be salt and light. Let me make a difference to glorify you. I give my life to you right now in Jesus' name. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? If you're in this room today, would you just lift up your hand all across this place? That was me, Pastor. Good. Good. I see you, young man. Yes, ma'am. If you're watching online and you just prayed that prayer, hey, I'm so proud of you. Good for you. Now, you've come this far. I want to invite you to take the next step. The next step is, is by texting a number. It's as simple as what we do hundreds of times a day sometimes. Send me a text. There's a number appearing on your screen, 844-HRC-TEXT. If you will text the words, I prayed, to that number, I'm going to send you some, some links to some things that I've prepared just for you. They'll help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. And I'm so proud of you, the decision that you just made. Good for you. Text me if you would. Let me help you. For everyone else, would you go ahead and look up at me, then stand to your feet. It's been such an honor bringing God's word to you here today. I pray that you've enjoyed this as much as I have. I want to remind you, December 17th is coming up. If you've ever had the thought, I wonder where all the money goes, December 17th is your day. I get to show you how we have been making a difference in this city and around the world. You will not believe some of the things that we get to share with you. It is overwhelming where your money has gone. Thank you for being a generous church. Thank you for trusting us with finances. It's a big deal. We're also on, on December 17th going to be um, receiving an offering to hopefully pay off this building. There's about $700,000 left on this building, which is a lot of money, but you've knocked it down from $2.2 million. <laughs> you blow me away. And in case, you, in case you didn't know, there's a building across the street that we just bought for $500,000 that was on sale for six hundred eighty. The guy wrote off $180,000, just gave it to us, and we paid off $500,000. We did that in less than 90 days. You guys... You guys blow me away with your generosity. I'm shocked at what you can do because you're willing to be a part of a, a group of people that wants to make a difference. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It means the world to me. I have our elders stepping forward with their wives, and these guys are available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. If you need some prayer, type it in the chat if you're watching online. We'd love to pray for you. We believe that God answers prayer. And for everyone else, I want to bless you and send you out. Father, I pray that you'd bless my friends with an incredible week, being salt, being light to a world that so desperately needs it. Help us to become all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. And all of us said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. 
Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.